before uh, we really get into things today, I, I want to say I uh, am so amazed by the responses that I heard from so many of you after last Sunday. Um, I had a couple of texts that were waiting for me by the time that the service was done. I have had emails sent to me each and every day throughout this week. And the way that each of you have responded to that calling that we have to be the church in the world and to be active as a church in the world and not passive, the response that you have shared with me has been so inspiring. And so I just want to thank you, number one, and I want to let you know that um, that communication, that window is always open. We are going to be using that more in this series as we talk about Acts and we talk about the church. Um, But if you didn't get a chance to share with me some of your thoughts, it is never too late. Um, A lot of people said, and it was... it. It breaks my heart a little bit, but I understand where it comes from. A lot of people say, you know, I'm glad that I had the chance to email you. I don't often do that because I don't, I don't want to burden you. I know you're busy. Um, Pastors are busy people, but the things that we want to be busy with are you, are the people. Um, So please, you are never bothering me or any pastor on this campus when you contact us. In fact, that's why we are here. So um, thank you. Thank you. And I am excited for the journey that we all have ahead of us. Uh, Today, we are continuing in that sermon series on Acts. um, And we're considering how the church first came to life in the midst of what were some really difficult and oppressive circumstances. Our passage that we're about to read for today, it comes immediately after the Holy Spirit came down on the disciples for the first time. It's called the Pentecost. And when that happens, the disciples were speaking in tongues and there was fire that was descending on them and um, there was a huge ruckus and everyone was watching this happening. We're talking about the ruckus that Pentecost caused today, um, but we're not talking about Pentecost until May. So, you know, we've touched on that. If you don't know much about Pentecost, don't worry. We'll get to that at the very end of our series um, on the last Sunday in May. So with that, I'm going to ask you to uh, quiet your hearts with me. If you have a Bible, pull that out. Uh, If you print it off the order of worship, pull that out. If you would rather not read along and just listen, of course, you can read it on the screen. Um, But I encourage you to let the scripture wash over you. What has happened? The Pentecost has happened. People have watched. They don't understand it. And they say to Peter and the disciples, um, these men are drunk. And that's where Peter steps in. Verse 14. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. 
The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man, handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in death's power. Now, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I invite you, my friends, to join me as we pray. God, it is your Holy Spirit that we seek to speak to our hearts in wisdom, to speak to our minds in clarity, to speak to our souls in faith. Guide us toward your truth, Lord. Speak through us, teach us. May we be the ones who carry out as your hands and your feet. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All that I know, my friends, is that things are not normal. And it's making everyone feel uncomfortable. Of course, I'm talking about Pentecost. It started with a few people talking gibberish, saying things that no one around them could understand. Until the crowd started listening and they did understand it. It turns out that they just had to slow down and listen. Because when they listened, they started to hear words that were more familiar to them than the words that they spoke to one another every single day. They started to hear words that echoed the sighs of their grandfathers and the joyful laughter of their grandmothers. They started to hear words that reminded them of their mother's touch and that brought them back into their father's instruction. What they were hearing on that day of Pentecost was so far from normal, and yet it felt so much like home. No one could make sense of what was happening, though. And so they went to the obvious explanation. It was five o'clock somewhere, and clearly these guys were determined to put the happy back into happy hour. Everyone watching what was happening with the disciples speaking in tongues could see it for themselves. Clearly, these people were drunk. <laughs> but I think it's also important to look at this scene from another perspective. From a perspective that knows that the crowd is very aware that what is happening is not normal. But 
that for that crowd, keeping the feeling that everything was normal was really important to them. So the only way that they could make this peculiar instance feel normal was by insisting that nothing unusual was happening. It was just a few guys who have gone rogue. Nothing had changed. It was not even a dozen men who were behaving strangely. And even those men were going to go back to behaving normally once they sobered up. Funny thing is, you and I both know that it's an open insult to your dignity when you are suddenly accused of being drunk when you have been stone sober. And Peter was never really one for allowing himself to be insulted without offering a good slap back. The people around he and his friends might have wanted to have kept their perception that nothing unusual was happening. But Peter wasn't going to be made out to be strange in order for the crowd to keep their feeling of business as usual intact. He wasn't going to insult what he knew to be true just so that someone else wasn't going to be uncomfortable. He wasn't going to do that because what was happening to the disciples really wasn't normal. Scripture puts it this way. It says that Peter, standing with 11, he raised his voice. He addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem. These people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Friends, this isn't normal. This is God. Friends, this isn't normal. Peter says, this is God. Remember the prophet Joel of old. Remember when he said that sons and daughters prophesying and young men seeing visions and old men dreaming dreams would be what is normal? That, my friends, is what's happening. You remember Jesus, the carpenter who healed people, who ate and drank at every meal like it was his last meal, who just died recently by hanging on that cross? God raised him up and freed him from death because it was impossible that Jesus was going to be held in death's power. Peter says, we already know this. That's why all of this is happening. Now it's time for you to be certain too. God has made Jesus both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus that you have crucified. In other words, my friends, what Peter is saying, put short, is you know what, everyone, there's a new normal now. It's really funny, this speech here in our scripture for today that's given by Peter. It's often referred to as Peter's first sermon, but it's not like Peter set out to preach that day. The first time I heard this story was when I was in college. I remember sitting in a large tent at a college retreat wearing my sorority letters, listening to a man named Hans Peter Royer. He talked about how Peter in the scripture wasn't preaching a sermon, but about how Peter was just defending himself against the accusation that he and his friends were drunk, which was something that college students were very familiar with. And as a result of his retort, 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus Christ in just one day. 
Peter wasn't setting out to convert anyone here. He was just being him. He was just being honest with what he knew to be true. That God was moving and that they shouldn't downplay that movement as something that was normal. And as a result of Peter's authenticity and as a result of his plain and measured response to telling the truth as he knew it, the church grew by 3,000 that day alone. Just because he wanted them all to know that he wasn't drunk. You know, if Peter had just walked away, if Peter had just said to those who were watching him and questioning him and dismissing him, yeah, guys, you know, I get it. This is all sort of strange. You don't fully understand it. That's okay. You're not fully there yet. Don't worry. We'll just get out of your hair and move along. Change the subject. If Peter had said that, then imagine what the outcome would have been. If Peter had joined the crowd in wanting to keep the copacetic of normal, undisturbed, how would this scene have turned out differently? Honestly, we all know what that scene would have looked like because we have seen the results of that alternative scenario play itself out in our society over the last several decades. It would have been just like any other day. Peter would have downplayed what God was doing. Doesn't matter that there was fire falling from the sky and people speaking in hundreds of different languages. People would have walked away like it was normal. And people in Jerusalem would have gone home. Maybe they would have told their spouses about the drunk guys they saw in the center of town that day. But that's where the story would have ended if that story even got that far. Peter didn't set out to preach that day. But how does that old hymn go? If you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot preach like Paul, oh, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say he does for us all. You know, I think it's really important for us to notice what Peter isn't saying He isn't telling the crowd, you better get your act together. Jesus is watching you. And he's not saying, you're all horrible, sinful people who deserve the worst that you could possibly get. You better turn and face Jesus. And he isn't even saying something like, Jesus came for you and all you have to do is say this short little prayer. The only directive that Peter gives the crowd is one word. Listen. And they did listen as he told them what he knew to be true. And scripture says that when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? You can tell the love of Jesus. Oh, you can say, he does for us all. Sometimes we are so afraid to speak about the personal encounters that we have with God because 
We don't want to sound like we're not normal. But if we follow God, if we believe in the power of God to intervene into our circumstances and to heal and to transform things that are dead into fullness of life, which we do believe, then my friends, we already don't believe what is normal because we believe in God. While I was serving um, a church in El Paso, we had hired a full-time director of spiritual nurture named Jen Fox. And at the time that we had hired her, I was three years into what was then at that time a solo pastor position, working to help merge three congregations into one unified body of faith. And while I was really proud of the work that we were doing together, I was really tired. Jen and I, one day, we were sitting at a work desk talking about how we would be able to dovetail the new sermon series in with the new Christian formation curriculum. And it felt like really tedious work in that moment, like so much of the very good work that we were doing had started to feel. And so I asked Jen, I said, have you ever had an experience in your life where you just knew that it was God? And she said, absolutely. And then she started to tell me stories. They were simple stories that took place in the normal places of her life. In the record store, at her car, in the sidewalks outside of concert venues. They were simple stories about normal places, but in each of them, there was something notably out of the ordinary that had happened. In one of them, she had met a new friend who knew how to speak to her at a critical time in her life. Another time she ended up applying to go to seminary. Another time she navigated her way through a very broken relationship. She told me about these extraordinary turns that would have shaped an otherwise normal situation. And she knew that that was God. Just as I knew that that was God. And those stories were exactly what I needed to hear because in that moment, I needed something that would help me to continue forward in hope. When I was feeling tired and run down, her stories about God breaking into her very normal life were what gave me hope. I have the same kind of stories in my life, stories where I know for certain that the unexpected turn that my life took was definitely God at work. I don't always share them because maybe other people will think that they're just coincidence or that they're not really that special. But I knew in those moments that they were God. And chances are, I bet you, that you have stories like that too. Friends, right now we're in this unique time where All we want is to have that feeling of normal again. And also at this time, we all want to know what God is doing and what God is saying and what God is speaking to us. We want to feel normal and we want to feel God.
But what we see in scripture and what we know to be true in our own lives is that God and normal don't tend to go together. That God brings a new normal into our lives and into this world. If we desire to know God more than we desire to experience what is normal, then I have to tell you, I really believe that all we need to do is start to speak about those extraordinary moments where we know that it is God that is working and that things just aren't normal. Peter never set out to preach that day. And you don't need to preach like Peter anyway. And so as we go out into this week, many of us looking for hope more on some days than on others, more of us wanting to encourage those around us. As we go out into this week, I want you to join me in something. I want you to take the chance to share one of those moments in your life where you knew that it was God. And don't worry if it sounds normal and don't worry if it sounds like it could just be coincidence. If you knew in the moment that there was God moving, I want you to grab your quarantine buddy or I want you to call someone on the phone and I just want you to share that with them. And then I want you to ask them if they've ever had a moment like that. Peter didn't set out to preach that day. And you don't have to preach like Peter anyway. But all of us can be people who let those around us know that Jesus did this for us all.